have to struggle through some things to see how excellent is God's name. God be all the glory and the praise. Please join your hearts with me in prayer. Holy and mighty God, Before I even speak, you have done an awesome and amazing thing in this place. As we stand in your presence, always in your presence, we are acutely aware of the potency of your spirit in this very moment. Let us enter into a space where God we hear from you that we are transformed and we seek to transform. Oh God, leave my hands the gospel plow and tie my tongue to truth. When folks leave here, let them be talking about you and not the preacher. Let us hear from you and still speaking, God. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, so we've gotten through Thanksgiving. Some of us. <laughs> I still feel a little of it with me, but you know, it, it, I'm going to work on it this week <laughs> to let go of, of, of some of it. Uh, so now we are headed towards Christmas, and I wanted to start uh, today before we get into the Advent season, and I wanted to kind of start talking a little bit about that old story we're very familiar with, that uh, Christmas Carol story uh, written by Charles Dickens. And some of you might remember that uh, that man in that story, old Scrooge, the mean man in that story received lots of visitors and lots of visions about what his life was about. Uh, one has said that Jacob Marley gives Scrooge the first warning of what his future will be if he does not change his life. Marley drags chains made of cash boxes and keys and padlocks and letters and deeds and heavy purses wrought in steel because this is also, metaphorically speaking, what Scrooge carries around with him. Later, Scrooge is visited by several different spirits, but it is that final vision where he goes to the graveyard and he's trying to bargain to figure out, is that gonna really be the end of my story? Am I going to go through all of the struggle that I've seen in these visions, or will my life be a life of hope and pers per uh, perseverance and destiny and purpose? Or am I going to end up buried here in this spot that is in my last and final vision. Indeed, we do know that Scrooge does change his ways. Scrooge changes his ways because of all of the terrifying visions that he received that night. All of the things that he did not want to happen to his life, he got to see it that night and to understand that if you persist 
What then does this Christmas carol have to do, have to do with that crazy scripture we heard from Rick and from Joshua? It is a rhetorical device that Charles Dickens uses in the Christmas carol, just like the writers of Daniel and Revelation. What do I mean? They tell you this stuff to scare you to get your act together. They are not writing what they write in Revelation or in Daniel so that you can feel good and comfortable. A lot of us have grown comfortable with comfortable Christianity. All we want is that you can prosper and you can do better and drop it in the offering plate, sow a seed and watch God like a genie in a bottle make something happen for you. We don't want to take the time to look at books like Daniel and Revelation because they have somewhat of a consequence that they are projecting out for us. When the Christmas Carol was written, it wasn't just for Scrooge. It was also for us. It was also that we catch visions about our life and how our lives are connected to Scrooge and how wherever those different things we are connected to or plug into or relate to, we can hold that mirror up and say, oops, this Christmas, I don't want to be the guy with all the chains and the lock boxes and the heavy burdens around my heart. You can look like a million dollars like Scrooge and still be a terrible wreck of a mess on the inside. And so the Christmas carol, just like the book of Daniel and just like Revelation, is holding up a story and a narrative for us to look into and to see how we might better live in these times. More than that, I think it goes on to the revelations to really push this particular point. And Joshua said it in its political context, and I know I, I got a comment about this in the survey about me that maybe too much politics talking about, I don't know who wrote it, it's fine, it doesn't matter. But we have to understand through all of the rosy spirituality and the life that God breathes into us and all that we experience in this life, Revelations ask you the question, to whom do you pledge allegiance? Jesus was a radical political statement in his time. I've said it several times, when the writers write, King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus was not the first person with that title. The title belonged to the emperor of Rome. So the book that we declare is the word testifies that your president, your senator, your country is not king of kings and Lord of lords. There is only a yet but one. And regardless of how far we want to disconnect politics from this scripture, there is not a spiritual, emotional thing you are going through right now that if you tell it to me, I bet you I can connect it to some political that's going on. But we don't see that. And so as 
journey through this scripture. Make no mistake, the vision and the power that is being put right here in this scripture is for us to be very careful about who we internally pledge allegiance to. It is okay to be a proud American. I'm a proud American. It is okay to be a proud whatever looks enough your political persuasion is. That's okay. All of that is okay. But what the scripture is asking and proclaiming is, is that more important than your allegiance to Jesus Christ? And so while we want to separate the politics, I think we, are, we do good to remind ourselves, even on a Sunday, in the midst of all that is going on outside of these walls, in the midst of all the good that Jesus has done for us, in the midst of all of the prosperity that we experience as a country and all the love that we experience in this room, yet who do we pledge allegiance to? That's tough. Some people say, oh, you know, it's, uh, this is a first world problem. You know, I, I, you know, I'm worried about my phone. It's broke and I can't get a signal. That's a first world problem. I can't seem to get an Uber around. I, you know, I pick up my phone and, and for whatever reason, I got to wait 20 minutes for an Uber and not, you know, five minutes. If I was down the street in Montreux somewhere, I could get an Uber right away. And they could take, you know, they have a rainbow shooting off the back of it. But out here, ain't no rainbow shooting off the back of my little Uber. And they ain't coming in, you know, five minutes or whatever. When I'm hot, I don't even have to get up off of my butt now. I can pull up my phone, go to my next app, and get the temperature. I'm even lazy with it now. I can say, hey, I'm excellent. When I want to go to bed, I can say, Alexa, turn the light off on my nightstand. Leave Parkinson's on. <laughs> I don't even have to get up and flip the switch anymore. Before I get home, if I want to set it, the truck will send a signal to my garage door and open it up without me even saying anything. I can be preaching to you right now and talk to my catacomb if I want to, and just drop right on in on Alexa in my bedroom. You get where I'm going with this? There are so many luxuries that we have. You got up and cooked your Thanksgiving meal and you didn't even have to think twice about whether electricity or gas was coming from. If you paid your bill. <laughs> and we sing the song grateful. I am grateful for all of you. I'll tell, I'll tell you, I am grateful for all of you. I am grateful for every last I enjoy it. And some people won't tell you this. You know, we, 
said in the entire world. And your pastor ain't gonna lie to you. I don't wanna give it up. I like every, everything I have. I like it. And I want more of it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I want more of it. But therein lies the growth. To whom do I pledge allegiance? I should be mindful of it all of my walk and consuming and greed and gotta have and gotta go get. To whom do I pledge allegiance? Before you click it on Cyber Monday, maybe ask yourself, to whom do I pledge allegiance? This is our top 1% problem in the world. To pay attention to whom do we pay allegiance to? Is Jesus indeed the Lord of our life? If so, then how do we live? How do we respond? How do we move through the world? Can we just stand by while trans people are being trampled over? I said I wasn't going to get too much into politics, but it is an issue. I can only imagine if Dr. King would have said, I'm not going to use this Bible stuff to talk about the rights of black How could we not look in the story itself? Moses went down there and told that man, let my people go. If the Bible does not testify to setting us free from slavery of all kinds, to gadgets and gizmos and people and states and counties and presidents and whisperers and all oh, even religion. If the Bible doesn't testify to say, be free, what does it do? And here, right here, in Revelations, there's this story through all of these visions and all of the beasts that transform and Jesus coming on a cloud and animals that talk and all of the crazy that is happening, yet all in the midst of this, we could be fearful. But then there's always these nuggets like when Jesus says, yeah, but I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. See, in the Greek alphabet, they, 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 that's all they had was alpha and omega. And, and you see, even the writers, when they got ready to translate the scripture, they didn't mess with it and say, Jesus said, I'm the A and the Z. <laughs> they, they said, Jesus said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. In other words, I was there in the beginning, I'll be there in the end, but more importantly for us, I'm right here in the middle. I'm right here having something to testify and something to say. Just like God delivered those people out of Egypt and their slavery, I am here also to say, pledge allegiance to me so that I can set you free from the things that bind you. Just as God moved and delivered people time and time again in between 
crying and death and oppression will not be the last word. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And so what will Jesus bring to our lives in this season? Will we allow Jesus to bring love? Will we allow Jesus to bring light? Will we allow Jesus to bring freedom? You know, I know it's the holidays and we always, we get excited about doing stuff for people during this time. Just like people with money tend to do. <laughs> it's good. That's good. But here in this church, you have an opportunity to do something with your money beyond this season. Amen. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I don't need your money. I'm okay. God takes care of me. Has taken care of me. I remember Dorian when we sat down and said, it's going to be all right with this. I said, God will find a way. Then Marcus lost his job. And I said, Lord, you, you, you promised me. You said if I did, you can handle this. So you, somebody, somewhere, is going to have to do something. New mortgage. opportunity to not just pledge allegiance with your presence, but to pledge allegiance through your generosity. The reality is, even if you gave 10% every week, you can't outgive God. God deserves much more than the 10%. That's just a start. Amen. You can't outgive God. When you took your this morning, you can't outgive God. But what I'm saying is, here's an opportunity to say I'm grateful. Here's an opportunity to say, God, I see that you want to move in somebody else's life like you have moved in mine. So I give of my time, I give of my talent, I give of my treasure because I'm grateful. I rejoice, oh God, that I have all that I have. I can do all that I can do. I can never, never, never repay you for all that you have done for me. But I give to say I'm grateful. I give to say thank you, God, for all that you have done for me. We will never be able to outgive God all that has happened. But when we pledge allegiance to the one who has saved us and restored us, when you write your check or text your money in or do whatever it is you do to give it to whatever organizations, churches, or whatever you're doing, remember that is a moment in which you are pledging allegiance to say, God, I am grateful and I give back and acknowledging I have way too much. And I see it, but I don't want you to change me and transform me. I pledge allegiance and love and loyalty to you. Jesus says, I am 
the Alpha and the Omega, the God of salvation and liberation, the God of freedom, the God who is in the past, who is in the present, and who will also be in the future. The Alpha and Omega. When some of us are long gone, we will steal our narrative falls within the Alpha and the Omega. During this time, who are we going to pledge allegiance to? During this time, as we enter into Christmas, it is another opportunity to let Christ be born in our lives again. I told Marcus, I said, I don't know how many Advents I can do. How many times do I have to preach on the birth of Jesus? He just keeps coming over and over and over and over again. And you know what? Every year that we draw breath is another opportunity for Christ to be born in our lives again. Yes. A new. Come, Lord Jesus, and be the Alpha and Omega in our lives in this season. Come and be born in our lives again so that we can read 